Right, you can turn your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So today is the day that we celebrate resurrection. That Jesus is alive. Though he was crucified and he was buried on the third day, as he promised, he rose again. And his resurrection means that he has overcome the grave, that he has conquered death. The scripture says that um, before Christ, basically, death had power over us. That because of our sin, we were separated from God, and we were separated from the source of life, and death had reign over all of humanity. But now the sting of death has been removed, and we have hope and life in Him. So today we're going to be talking about our life in Christ and how we are made alive in Him. Would you read with me in Ephesians chapter 2? It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the scripture talks about how we are made alive in Christ. And the context here in, in the book of Ephesians is, is Paul is talking about the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. He talks about um, having redemption through Jesus' blood, forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, that that. Um, that God shares his wisdom and understanding with us, right? And in the middle of talking about spiritual blessings, he begins to talk about our condition, both before Christ and after Christ. Our condition without Christ and our condition when we come into relationship with Christ. And he begins by talking about where we were prior to Christ. And apart from Christ, he says that we were spiritually dead. He says, as for you, you were dead dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. He talks about how our transgressions, the, the, the places where we break God's law, where we cross the line, where we miss the mark, our sins, they brought about spiritual death. See, we can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, how God created humanity to live in relationship with Him. And they were to rule and reign. 
God made us in His image, in His likeness. And that means that we were to be His representatives here on the earth. And we were to live in loving union with God and overseeing all of creation, all that, all that God had made on the earth. And yet, mankind, we, we weren't happy with that scenario. Instead, we, we wanted to be our own God. And God had placed a, a, a limit on Adam and Eve. He said, all of the trees of the garden you can eat from, all of its fruit is yours except for this one. And there wasn't anything particularly wrong with that one tree. It was just God was placing a limit. Remember that I am God. I am creator. I am Lord over all. And you are my creatures. And I want to pour out my love in your life, but there is a boundary. You yourselves are not God. But Adam and Eve, they, they chose to eat of the fruit. They said, no, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from here, God. We'll, we'll do our own thing. And God had told them, the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And the moment that they ate of the fruit, their eyes were opened. And they realized their guilt and their shame, and they hid from God. And this is a picture of this spiritual death that occurs when we're in sin. It is a separation from the holy, true, living God. And it's, a, it's basically we are cut off from Him because of our wrongdoing, because of our rejection from Him. And so spiritually, we become dead. We're separated from Him. See, this verse acknowledges the spiritual reality of our death, but it also acknowledges this reality of a spiritual realm which we're often unaware of. It talks about the ruler of the kingdom of the air who's at work in those who are disobedient. And this points to this idea that there are spiritual forces of evil at work that oppose God, that reject His rule and His reign, and they're seeking to undermine His good plans for the world, His good plans for us. And when we reject God, we participate in that spirit. These forces of evil, they wage war against our souls. They seek to deceive and to destroy. They want to steal the life and the joy and peace that God has for us. And Paul says here that apart from Christ, those spiritual forces had power. But in Christ, they have power over us no more. They are defeated. So we need to be aware that there's often more going on in the world than what we see right in front of us. There are unseen things and unseen realms, and God is advancing His kingdom in every realm so that we might experience life in Him. But prior to Christ, we were dead and under the influence of these forces of evil. It says also that we were ruled by sin. This is all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. See, all of us were in this condition. There's, there's no exception. 
It's not like there are some special people in life who just have it all figured out all the time and they're the good ones. And we might call them the saints, although that's a wrong use of the word saints. The Bible calls all believers saints, by the way. So if you're here and you're not feeling great today, don't worry, you're a saint and God sees you that way. But we have this imagined picture in our mind of the most um, special Christians who are, who are saints. And um, there, there are people in my everyday life, I'm like, that person is absolutely a saint. You know, like, it's just amazing. But, but it says that there, there really are no exceptions, that we, we were all in this category of being spiritually dead because we all sinned. We were all slaves to it, that we were gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its thoughts and desires. We talked Friday night about how we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we, apart from Christ, have these things that we're essentially just bound to, in Philippians, Paul says it this way. He says, their God is their stomach. In other words, whatever your appetites are, whatever your cravings, and he's not necessarily talking about literal food, but he's talking about appetites. You know, we desire um, power, or we desire wealth, or we desire pleasure, or we desire these, we have these appetites for these things, and they become essentially our God. We're, we're following those cravings. And because of that, he says, we deserved punishment for the evil that we commit. He says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, we've been talking about this idea of wrath over the uh, last two messages, uh, both Friday night and this past Sunday. I'm going to repeat some of that again this morning because not everybody's here all the time, but if you want a a deeper dive into those things, we want to go back and look at those messages. But this idea here is that um, God is the just judge of the universe. And when we break God's law, we are guilty and we deserve punishment. This is just wrath. It's not human anger where it's just like flying off the handle. It's not like sometimes, like, you know, Thursday was a a rough day for me. I had a lot going on and the the sink, I was trying to do dishes and catch up on things and the the sink started uh, just shooting out water everywhere and I was like, I got to fix this. So I'm at home. Kids are out of school this week. I'm at home with four kids tearing apart the sink to fix it, okay? I was not a saint. I was not a saint with them. I, I yelled. I was angry. I was frustrated. So at dinner time, I had to have a talk, and I had to say, guys, I have not been good today. I'm sorry that I yelled at you. I'm sorry that I said those things. I had to apologize, right? Like, like, my, my anger, my, my wrath is not holy wrath most of the time. But, but God's wrath, God's wrath is. When he, when he judges, he judges justly. He does the right thing. And so we, when we break the law, when we transgress, when we cross that line, we are deserving of that wrath. Our evil will be punished if we are not in Christ. So we have this picture of God as this just judge who will pour out punishment on those who do evil. But this isn't the full picture of God that we see in the Bible. And this isn't the full picture of God that we see specifically in these verses. Because in these verses that we're reading, we see a whole lot about the goodness of God in terms of his care and concern for his creation. God could be perfectly just by bringing about our punishment, the wages of sin, 
is death. We were spiritually dead. We were separated from him. And, and ultimately, we would be um, brought down to death and destruction because of our sin. But God, he still loves us. We see this picture of his righteousness both shown in his justice, but also his love. And if you look here, there, there are some things that we want to point out. It says that because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And he did it for a purpose, that he could show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness for us in Christ. Think about those things. I've, I've highlighted them up there on the screen. That God has great love for us. That he wants what is good. That's what love is. Love Love makes sacrifices for the good of the other. It gives of itself. That God is rich in mercy. That God will, will um, relent. That even though we deserve wrath, even though we deserve death, He is willing to relent and show mercy. That God wants to share the incomparable riches of His grace with us. He longs for us to spend eternity with Him in His joy and in His peace. And God expresses His kindness to us in what He's done in Christ. These, these things, love, mercy, grace, kindness, this is the heart of God for His creation. And so God made a way for us to experience life with Him. We talked about this Friday night, how Jesus took the penalty for our sin. That he stood in our place and he paid the price that we could not pay. He was the sinless, spotless lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. And being God in the flesh, he was able to make atonement to, to satisfy God's wrath on sin for the sin of all humanity. And so the good news that we read here today is that in Christ... We can be made alive. There is hope. This is the good news. The gospels, it, it means good news. Because of what Jesus has done, God can make us alive with him. So let's look at what God does. It says he is made, we were made alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So God offers us life. He offers us connection and fellowship. He's restoring the relationship. The Bible talks about us being reconciled to God. And the picture of reconciliation is we were at odds, right? Have you ever, ever been at odds with someone? Married people, have you ever been at odds with someone? Like, how does that work when that relationship is not going the way that you planned? And that person is not doing the thing that you wanted them to do? What'd you say? Always something? I don't know. I don't know what it can... <laughs> What about that person? What about you? We're not doing that, that thing that person wants you to do, right? Like, when, and it's not just marriages. It happens with, with children and, and brothers and sisters and coworkers. Like, we, we know what it's like to be at odds with someone. And that's the picture here is that because of our sin, we are at odds with God. And yet God through Christ is reconciling us to him. He's restoring that relationship. The sin that separated us from God has been dealt with, the price has been paid, and now we can have communion with Him. We can experience that favor. He says here that it's by grace that we are saved. That we have favor and God rescues us. He, he delivers us. He saves us 
from the power of sin and death. And it says that God raised us up with Christ and seated, with, seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. This is a picture of victory, right? We are being united with Christ. We identify with Him in His death and also His resurrection, that we are raised up and seated with Him in the heavenly places, that we experience victory over death and glory for eternity. We've been saved, and the Scripture says it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. In other words, if, if you want to experience the salvation, you have to come to the Lord and receive it. You have to trust in Him for your salvation, that, that His work is enough. And he, he goes on to hammer this point that this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, our salvation, our rescue, our deliverance from the power of sin and death is not up to us. It's not our own doing. It's not as if we could somehow figure it out and get our lives straight and then enter into a relationship with God. That's backwards. It says that God can make you alive even though you're dead. You don't have to come alive and then experience victory in Christ. He's the one who makes us alive. And so I don't know where it is um, that you are in life and, and what you're struggling with, but just Accept the grace and the peace that comes along with knowing that you don't have to get it figured out, that God does it. You don't have to earn it. We don't have to keep trying to do good so that somehow all our bad stuff is just forgotten. We don't have to somehow hope that on Judgment Day we've done enough good things. And somehow God will just say, well, you've done enough good, you did some bad, but you did plenty of good, so, so you know, I'll come into my presence and enjoy my fellowship and have my life. That, that's not the picture. It's that we are completely dead and we can't do it. And He has done it for us. We can't boast it's not of our own works. We don't have to depend on ourselves. And He goes on to talk about this life that's in Christ, and He speaks of a transformation that happens. He says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, wait a minute. You just said salvation is, is not about good works. We're not saved by good works. That's right. He's, he's drawing out this idea of this, this relationship between the life that we live with Christ and how it's not based on the works that we do, but God still has works for us to do. And these works, they flow out of what God is doing inside of us. They flow out of our position, our new life with Christ. And so it says that we are God's work, and the result is that we produce the fruit of that in our lives. Now, in the Bible, there's this illustration of our life with God, and it's often called our walk. Our, you know, our, our journey with God, the way that we are walking. And this, this idea of walking is a metaphor for our life, right? Just 
walking through, journeying through life. And there's this really cool contrast that happens in this section of Scripture. All the way back in verse 1, it says that we were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live, all right? And that word, in, in the original language, is the word for walk. So you used to walk in wrong acts, in transgressions and sins. You used to walk in evil acts. But by the time you get to the end of this verse, it says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. And there's a word there, it's the same word as in verse 1, and it means that, that he prepared these good works that we should walk in them. All right? So at once, before Christ, we were walking in transgressions and sins. And after Christ, and after he has transformed us, we are walking in good works. And this is about this, this transformed life where God does this work in us in such a way that our desires are not for evil, that our desires are not for those appetites, those cravings that we, want, that we once had, but the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. We talked about those spiritual blessings that he discusses in chapter 1. He says that we were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, that he is a guarantee of our inheritance, our redemption, that we are God's possession, and that through the Spirit we begin to walk the life that Christ has for us, no longer slaves to sin, but free in Him to do the works of righteousness. So as we think through this, and we look at our lives, I would ask you, where do you find yourself living? Do you feel dead and separate from God? Are you walking in sin and transgression and just completely overcome by the forces of evil in this world? Or are you found in Christ? Where is it that you're finding your hope? Because if you're looking out there or anywhere else, there's no hope. There's only destruction. But in Christ, there is victory. Victory over death victory over the power of sin. Think about that picture. Raised with him and seated in the heavenly places. Do you picture yourself there? Because that's hard to imagine, right? It, it is speaking of a future reality, but it's also speaking of a, of, of a present reality, that this is how God sees us. Raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places. Tomorrow morning when you get up and go to work, Raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places. When you come home and there's strife or struggle or hardship or sickness or whatever it is, raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places. And this isn't just go on and pretend that none of that stuff is, is happening and everything is just hunky-dory. That's, that's not what I'm saying here. But there is a real power and a real victory that comes through Jesus Christ when we put our trust in Him. That there is a real transformation that happens that death And sin no longer have power, but the Holy Spirit working in us works the the life of God in us so that we are made alive in Christ. And we have the power of resurrection working in us. That we were spiritually dead and separated, but God 
because of his great love, makes us alive. And we come to this through faith. It's by his grace. We can't earn it. And that we get to live this new life that he offers. So as we rejoice on this resurrection day, I ask you the simple question. Where do you find yourself? In death or in life? And if you find yourself in death, turn to Jesus because he has life for you. He has hope for you. Trust in him. Give him everything. Confess. Repent. Turn to him because he alone has the power to save. Would you pray with me today? Father God, I want to thank you for this time to study your word. And I want to thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for everyone in this place today. God, you know each of our hearts. You know all of our pains. You know all of our sorrows and all of our troubles. God, you know all of our sins. And God, you're full of love and mercy and grace and kindness. And you want to pour those things out on our lives, but Lord, we can only receive it by faith, only if we, we come to you and, and, and let you in. So God, as, as you're crying out to us, let me in, let me in. God, I pray that we would open our hearts to receive from you truth and life in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would overcome brokenness. God, I pray that you would overcome despair. God, I pray that you would overcome depression. These forces of darkness that wage war against us we bind them in the name of Jesus. We pray that your love and your life would break through. God, we confess that we are sinners before you in need of your grace. God, we humbly receive your forgiveness and the kindness that you showed us in Christ so that we could walk in new life. God, I pray that you would work transformation in us not by our power, but by yours, because we are your work created in Christ Jesus. Do that work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.